With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, Neon Dynasty is here, and it's here with a bang. I have had a blast playing this format. How about you? Yeah, I have had a really good time so far in these first few days. I don't know if that's a great litmus test, though, because I think like literally anything that is draft that is new, I will be excited (laughs) about, you know, Um, but I think there's going to be a lot for us to talk about, certainly today. And I think in the coming weeks about this format, you and I already, you know, usually when Ben and I a little behind the scenes, usually when we get on our call in the morning to record the episode, you know, we have a couple things to to suss out in the show notes before we get on the the recording call. But uh, we had what? maybe 20, 30 minutes of figuring stuff out. And I think we've got some actually different perspectives. A lot of times we come to this episode a few days into the format and we're pretty lockstep. And I think we've actually got some pretty interesting differences between our experiences so far. Yeah, I am jazzed to talk with you about this on the podcast and just jazzed to talk about it in general. And yes, this is just new set energy, but this feels a little different than just standard new set energy. Like I can already see a lot of things that would lead to this format having a lot of longevity. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, there, it feels like a lot of the boxes get checked in terms of there's lots of like overarching synergy. There's lots of really cool pockets of synergy. One of my favorite things about a draft format is getting to figure out like, ooh, this card works with this card in this particular way. And how do I exploit that? And I think this format has that in spades. Yes, absolutely. All right, so we are just going to be doing our like info dump after you know a few days of drafting this format today. Um, lots of stuff to talk about. Very, very excited. A few housekeeping things to take care of before we get into that. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. We have a lot of awesome stuff happening over on the Patreon page in terms of what you get back for giving back to the show. Everybody gets access to the Discord. Then as you move up the ranks, you get access to the show a day early. Uh, you can get access to our draft logs and deck picks as we're you know getting as many reps in on the format as we can get access to a private section of the discord and even get access to coaching sessions monthly with me or ben as you get all the way up to the top of the ranks there um so anything over there that sounds good to you at the patreon page check it out if you want to give back to the show and of course we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold the first week that they join and this week i'm going to have to ask ben to help me in welcoming anton chris joey omez thomas clark riley matthew ramen jethro gone Harrison, Robert, Jonathan, Kelby, John, William, David, and Ben. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough and honestly can't say enough good things about the Discord. I love reading the Discord in the first four or five days of a format. It's just awesome to be able to see conversations between a lot of really good players that you wouldn't necessarily get to see or hear otherwise without watching a stream. It's like on-demand neon dynasty scuttlebutt it's great i i love the discord it's like everything good about 
magic Twitter with none of the bad stuff, you know? <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. That means right now, Neon Dynasty sealed product and Neon Dynasty singles. So whether you're picking up a draft booster box or you're picking up some staples for your commander deck, make sure that you head on over to the new Channel Fireball Marketplace where you can support maybe your LGS or if not your LGS, some other people's LGSs, and use code LOL, all caps, when you do at checkout to let Channel Fireball know that we sent you over to the marketplace. Boom. All right, let's get into some big picture chats, aka early rules of engagement. So one of my first bullet points here is that I think the colors seem incredibly balanced so far. I don't feel like I want to avoid anything. I feel open to a lot of strategies. As we sort of anticipated, a lot of the synergies bleed through different colors or color pairs. So you have a lot of overlap. Um, you've got a really great sort of way to think about the format in terms of like a spectrum that I think may- maybe now is a good time to talk about it in this sort of color balanced idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think everything is very balanced as well. I'm not really avoiding anything. And maybe that just means we haven't figured out what's good yet. But sure, if something were really bad, I think we would have noticed and probably tried to avoid it. But so the way I'm characterizing the format right now is sort of a spectrum of artifacts and enchantments and trying to find out where you are on that spectrum. And so on the artifacts end of the spectrum, I think red is the color that's pulled most towards artifacts and artifact synergies. And then mm-hmm. blue is kind of nearby on the artifact train synergy thing. And then black kind of is in the middle of the artifacts and enchantments. It can go either way, depending on what colors you pair it with. And then on the enchantment side of things, continuing onwards, I think you've got green on the far end of the spectrum towards enchantments and not wanting much to do with artifacts. And then white closer to green on the enchantment side of things than black is. But just that idea of a continuum and knowing whether you are interested in artifacts, interested in enchantments, interested in both. And I think for cards to not be an artifact or an enchantment right now, they have to be pretty darn good, at least the way I'm thinking about and approaching the format. Interesting. So you mean, I think in that sense, it has to either be an artifact or enchantment, care about or synergize with artifacts or enchantments. And if it doesn't fall into those categories, it's got to be doing something special. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I got a lot of questions, and I'm sure you did too when you were streaming this week about, you know, speed of the format. Is it Prince or Popper? And those were questions we used to answer in these first. Uh, episodes of a format. Th- those in my mind are just pretty outdated questions. We, we're just seeing a continuing trend of really good one drops that getting on the board early is important. But that doesn't mean I think that aggro is king or anything. In fact, a lot of my super low curve decks, you know, it reminds me of talking about like black white venture in AFR as like, this is the control deck, but my curve stops at four, but I'm playing 18 lands because I have all these things to do with my mana, etc. I think a lot of my super low curve decks have great value engines, you reconfigure as a huge mana sink you know i had a deck that stopped we had like a couple four drops and i was like still tapping out with all of my mana with like 12 lands in play you know like these decks can do things early but can also grind late um and i just think that like you know prince popper slow fast those i think are just not really like helpful things to talk about on a format i don't know i don't know if you feel the same way it's 2010 it's old yeah for sure it's very, very old. Um, so here's here's our, I think, our maybe big disagreement or whatever, or just sort of different or t- phrasing things in a different way. For me, so far, the set seems to me more about small pockets of synergy rather than like an overall macro synergy. I do think that there are some decks like 
blue black ninjas that are a bit of the exception here. And when I talk about macro synergy, I think back to Acoria, right, as being one end, again, to use maybe the, the magic word of the episode is going to be spectrum. But to think about the spectrum of <laughs> um, <laughs> think about the spectrum of like, you know, sets where it was a plus B, like payoff plus enabler deck synergy. Ikoria was really that, you know, you had cards that cycled and cards that care about cycled for the cycling decks, or you had cards to mutate onto and cards that said mutate, or you had cards that, you know, you could sacrifice and cards that cared about sacrifice, whatever. Um, those kinds of decks, you, know, you you really didn't want to have like bleed between things like you got into trouble. You're like, well, I'm a little bit cycling, but I'm a little bit mutate, but I'm also a little bit sacrifice. Like that was a little bit messy. And then I think on the other end of the spectrum, in terms of sets we've seen recently, Kaladesh Remastered really felt like to me, and maybe again, we're seeing because it's like an artifacty based set, this idea of a lot of bleed between archetypes. Like there is synergy, there's, there is energy, there is artifact matters, but it's a lot about like assembling an engine piece or, you know, your deck can operate on axis A, but when that game plan doesn't work, you also have axis B as another way to operate. Um, so I've seen a lot of bleed of like, well, my green white enchantments deck has enchantment matters stuff, but I also have some artifacts for my banishing slash to get online, or I have some attack alone sub theme with some of the samurais or warriors, whatever, and because some of those are enchantments themselves. Like there's a lot of overlap in that way in my mind, but I think you've maybe experienced things a little differently. Yeah, I think the closer, if we continue with the artifacts and enchantments spectrum that I described, I think the closer to the enchantments end of the spectrum you are, the more opportunity there is for bleed and cross mm-hmm. synergy like that. But I think the closer you are to the red artifact end of the spectrum, the more strict you have to be with artifacts because i think a lot of the artifact synergy cares about not necessarily a plus b type synergy but like a plus a plus a plus a plus a like you want everything to be if a equals artifact like you want everything (laughs) to be an artifact if that makes sense that's kind of how it is in my mind but there are also some enchantment decks that are super all in on enchantments too i Mm -hmm. think you know if you get uh, the stupid one drop green card that gives your creatures or any creature plus one plus one when you play um, an enchantment that card's super busted i think there's just a lot of ways to go off and i think the thing that's most exciting to me about the format is that green does get to be synergistic and it isn't just about derping around like all of the colors have things to do and do those things really well and when they do the things really well it's really powerful yeah, no, I I agree with that for sure. I think the thing that maybe I'm separating and and is leading me to go towards describing it as pockets of synergy rather than macro synergy is that it doesn't feel like oh I get this signpost uncommon that says all my artifacts get plus one plus one and then I'm incentivized to just draft artifacts. It just feels like the artifacts in and of themselves, you know. So you get experimental synthesizer, which we'll talk about later. But that really wants your deck to be super low curve, and so then you're playing your your simian slings and your one one flyers in blue, and then okay, those are both artifacts, and so that's going to also help in terms of you know enabling ninjutsu or whatever. But it's not like oh, because they're artifacts, they're all good. Like they just happen to be artifacts and be good together. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but then I also think there's things that you can get like Dragon Spark Reactor, which is yes. the one in a red artifact. Yes. that you know pays you off for casting artifacts then that is in addition to all those other things you were describing that is a reason to try to play 20 artifacts in your deck or whatever you know yeah i agree with that for sure and i think there's there's less cards like that in green and enchantments that want all of your cards to be enchantments and there's also the really cool archetypes where you get to explore a lot of the bleed where you get to abuse the cards that care about you having both or just 
do things really well with enchantments like the the kami that lets you pick up an enchantment like that's mm-hmm. a reason to play some sagas and be able to pick them up and there's just a lot of cool things going on but i do think there are some decks that are incredibly linear like lin- ninjas as well yes i think i think nin- ninjas feels like a linear deck um that may be one of the exceptions in my mind, but I definitely agree with what you're saying about like, you know, if you get the Dragon Spark Reactor, if you get Oni Cult Anvil, you're like really incentivized to make those engine cards work for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe we're closer there than what we originally thought, but I think that's a, a, an interesting conversation to have for sure. Yeah. I think one other thing that's that's floating around in the back of my head <laughs> is that th- this is starting to remind me a little bit of how we felt in Rivals of Ixalan about an avoiding the aggro trap style format, mm-hmm. where I think the aggro decks are there and they can be really good. But I think the green enchantment decks that are built to stop the aggressive decks do have pretty good matchups against those decks, but there are also some explosive, explosive decks. I think the Ninjas deck can be very explosive. Doesn't necessarily have to be. I've also seen a lot of good value Ninja decks, but mm-hmm. the red artifact decks are super low to the ground. And thanks to Experimental Synthesizer being busted, also have a lot of card advantage and a lot of late game potential. So it's really hard for those decks to run out of gas after they get an aggressive start. So I don't know. I, I'm really excited about the format because I think Good aggressive decks are good, and I think good controlling decks are good, and I think all of that points to a very healthy format, at least so far. Yeah, no, I I agree with that sentiment for sure. I don't know if it feels like an avoiding the aggro trap quite style format to me yet, because I do think aggro decks are alive and well, and early starts are alive and well. But I think, again, like a Kaladesh Remastered type deal to me of... I have a super low curve deck that can just roll roll my opponent over, but also then can go, okay, we're playing a different kind of game. I can, I got reconfigure. I got places to put my mana. I've got card draw, blah, blah, blah. I can go toe to toe with you on turn 12 as well. Right. The, the getting on board early matters, but that also having some sort of an engine or some sort of way to compete in the late game matters a lot. I, I will say I have had a lot of fun in the gameplay of whether I'm playing aggro or control The matchups where you have a fast deck against a deck that wants to stabilize, there's just a lot of tension and a lot of push and pull and a lot of trying to figure out when you're supposed to try to close the door as the aggro deck and how you're going to stabilize as the control deck. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I've I've enjoyed that puzzle as well so far. A few format specifics that we had questions about going into the set. I think the sagas, at least for me, were a big question mark. You know, I was going in with the benefit of the doubt, but I think everybody sort of thought, are these going to be too slow? They're not. They're almost all, I think, at common or uncommon, really good, especially the ones that cost one or two mana. Yes, I've been insanely impressed with the sagas. I think they just do a really good job of providing value while also helping you stabilize and almost baiting the aggro decks into trying to push hard too early i think that's some of the reason maybe that aggro is not looking great in the early data or red's not looking great in the early data because there's a point when you're playing against sagas and if your opponent has a saga out or two sagas out their board doesn't look that full but Mm -hmm. in a turn or two their board's about to be very well established you know like yeah you're pushing and then you're like as the aggro player you're thinking oh i can slam the door now and then all of a sudden your opponent has a brick wall on the battlefield that you just can't push through thanks to those sagas coming into play as creatures i really like the sagas yeah the the one i've honestly surprisingly been least impressed by is the fall of lord conda that's the uncommon white one two and a white chapter one exile target creature and opponent controls with mana value four or greater 
I mean, we we keep talking about having these low curve decks. I have found it really difficult to get a target with this card. Um, and oftentimes the thing I want to target is like a vehicle and I can't do that because you can only exile <laughs> it at sorcery speed. And then, it, you know, flips into a one three defender when it dies, draw a card, which isn't that exciting at all. Like you really want that first chapter to get you value. And I haven't had that. But otherwise, like I've even played the Shattered States era. That's the, the red one that has the active treason variant as chapter one. I've played that in red black with a few like steel and sack themes um i think it's just really helpful the, the way i've been able to sort of clock them is just think about them like a creature with the etbs they're almost never too slow so if I, I like i really do think of the white one as two mana scry two gain two 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 first strike like i'm getting all of those things it's just going to be a couple turns but that waiting a couple turns it, it almost never feels detrimental sometimes the creature is outclassed a little bit by the time they come into play with that one in particular. I mean, it's not irrelevant, but I think if you draw that on turn seven or whatever, the two, two is not relevant, but I guess if you draw two, two on turn seven, it's not going to be that relevant. Right. Either. And at least, at least that one scries you too, which in that, at, by that time feels like a card. I don't know. Like it doesn't really, because I think a lot of the stuff has felt small to me so far and it has felt fairly like, you know, the, the, the games are run by commons or uncommons a lot of the time, um, you know, coming off a of vow, anything is going to feel less bomby coming off a of vow, you know, but this definitely feels that way. Um, I do think it doesn't take much. You know, you slap one plus one plus one counter on that two two first striker, and even by turn seven, that's pretty relevant. Yes, for sure. Um, I have heard tale of shrines being a thing, but I haven't experienced it myself. I have had a couple of drafts that like have been a little train wrecky, and I've tried to backdoor into a shrines deck, but then like I don't get enough of them. I have not found them. I think the white one is probably the best one. I, I could be wrong there, but that's the one that makes one ones for each shrine you have. I found the rest of them not to be super enticing, but I, I also haven't really experienced it or played against it yet. And I've heard people I trust say that it's a real thing. What, what is your experience with shrines? My experience is that it doesn't seem like it's a plan A to me, like at least as far as saying you're going ham on like five color shrines or whatever. But I've really been impressed with one or two of them in play in combination i think i agree the white one stands alone and it's just a good card i've been really impressed with the green one also just as a place to dump mana that's got some mm -hmm. inevitability especially if you care about enchantments at all the fact that they are enchantment creatures and maybe they're slightly overcosted by one mana but i think they do a lot I've, I've been very impressed with most of the shrines as cards on the battlefield but not necessarily a shrine's deck but i can imagine i've i've had trouble with two shrines i can imagine it gets out of hand like if you have three shrines on the battlefield right yeah yeah um and, and i do think you know you pegged this in the crash course of like there is fixing available to you and i do think that splashing is you know, responsible splashing, I should say, is is going to be fairly common in this set. You know, I've definitely found myself being like, oh, I'm in blue red, but I want to splash this Oni Cult Anvil because it's so good because I have all these artifacts. And it's just like pretty easy to do because, you know, you're happy to run a terrarium in your deck or whatever, because it's also an artifact, etc. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of fixing. I have found that the hyper focused decks, especially red, often wants to be very red with mm -hmm. a blue or a black splash almost like you're running 12 mountains and then five swamps and then you're trying to find that oni cult anvil or whatever that sort of thing well it's because red is specifically red but i've I found this to be the case in with a lot of the decks i guess mostly grixis colors but because 
Red has so many good one drops. Like you have Synthesizer, you have Simeon Sling, you have uh, the the Rabbit Battery, you have um, the the Kakazan Saga. Like mm-hmm. there, you can't then be like you don't want to be also evenly split with your second color there. You really have to have like at least 10 red sources in your deck to support all those one drops. Yeah, I definitely agree that red is very color intensive and I think plays the least well with the other colors if you're not heavy red. I think red wants to be heavy red. I wonder if that's one of the reasons that like, I think you and I, it sound like are one of the things we agree on in this format after a few days is that red is really good. But I don't know if that's the general perception. I don't know if that's what the data is showing us in these early days on 17 lands. Um, And I think maybe that's one of the reasons is that you and I really are understanding like, oh, red decks want to be very red because that's how you get to take advantage of, you know, all these one drops, etc. And maybe other people are like, I have a 9-8 split mana base and then I'm just losing because I can't cast my one drops on time. Right. Yeah, I do think, I mean, the data certainly says that red is not good. I don't agree with that data, but but time will tell. Either I'm right or the data's right. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's not the data because then I'm never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh I found ninjutsu decks not to be as oppressive as I was worried uh, about them being or that I was fearing they would be after playing with Modern Horizons. Like, I think the deck is good. I think the mechanic is good, but it feels balanced and it feels like there's not like insane number of enablers like blue, I think gets, you know, obviously the one drop flyer is very good. I think the modern age saga has felt good as like that's a way to have an evasive threat and you also sometimes don't mind picking that up to get the two loots again um and black i think as well with the uh, okiba reckoner raid as a, a one drop menace creature but it doesn't really do the thing that you want which is you know to be able to sneak in an ninjutsu card on on turn two or three right yeah i've been a little less happy with the okiba reckoner raid uh as a ninjutsu enabler i think yeah. it's just better as a one drop card that you play and get ahead mm-hmm. on board and get some tempo get some life gain swing going in your direction that sort of thing um, I've been super impressed with Moonsnare Specialist, the yes. Mana War variant. That card is gas, especially when you combine it with Network Disruptor, the 1 1 Flyer. So I think there's definitely a lot of good things going on in the Blue Ninjas world. And I don't think you have to be hyper focused Blue Black Ninjas as well. Like I've often seen, you know, okay, I'm a, a Blue Green deck and I happen to have four or five ninjas. And that just makes my opponent's life miserable because they never know if you're attacking and want to get into ninjutsu things then they maybe got to make some bad blocks or chump one of your large green creatures that they wouldn't necessarily want to there's just a lot of things going on in combat in the format as well because of ninjutsu there's just so many layers to think about when you're playing the games yeah to keep checking in on some of the mechanics that we were you know had up in the air i would say vehicles have not really seemed like a deck to me so far i haven't played blue white myself yet i have faced it a couple times and it's felt one very uncommon base like the times where i felt like ooh, you're really doing the thing is it's all uncommons and it also feels very like you have to draw the right halves of your deck together if you like draw all the things that crew well or all the pilot cards without any of the vehicles or vice versa. I think your deck kind of folds a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I don't like vehicles at all. I think blue white is more blue white good cards mm-hmm. than it is blue white vehicles. And I, I do think blue white has a lot of good cards and can be yeah. a fine deck. But just leaning into vehicle synergies is not where you want to be after playing with and against it. And I think huge point for you from the crash course. 
I think that blue white's probably a really good home for a lot of the like archetype bleed stuff. You know, you've got, you know, your moth rider patrol can enable some of your ninjutsu cards or, you know, the artifacts from blue and the enchantments from white can give you some of the artifact plus enchantment payoffs that white wants you to have, et cetera. Like, I think there's a lot of play in that archetype. I just don't think it wants to be a vehicles deck. Yep. I agree. I have loved reconfigure so far. It's played out super strong, specifically the cheap ways to do so, like Simeon Sling and Rabbit Battery. Um, Bronze Boar, the three mana, three, two Trampler with Reconfigure 5, thing gets plus three, plus two, and Trample. Like that has mostly just been a three mana, three, two Trample in a lot of my decks, but then I've definitely had games where it just absolutely takes over and wins me the game or wins my opponent the game. Uh, conversely, sad, sad day for Lords of Limited preview <laughs> card. I've been pretty <laughs> underwhelmed by Leech Gauntlet as the two mana, two, two lifelinker reconfigure four. The the high reconfigure cost there, not boosting power and toughness has felt bad to me. Yeah, I completely agree. The reconfigure cards that boost power and toughness are very good. And the ones that don't affect power and toughness are a lot less good. I think the exception being the rare that gives double strike. Uh, fade into antiquity is great. Having a card that says Exile Target Artifact or Enchantment has a lot of targets and a lot of targets that matter. Uh, I think the first, certainly the first copy, and I would say probably the first two copies are super strong. Uh, I'm happy with the other options that hit one or the other out of the sideboard. You know, the red one that kills an artifact, puts a plus and plus one counter, or the white one that uh, kills an artifact and gains you three life or whatever. I don't like main decking them because there are some matchups like, you know, you play against red, black, and you're playing the white card that kills an enchantment you're probably not going to have many targets. You're playing against green, white, and you want a thing that blows up artifacts. You're probably not going to have many targets. Yeah, I do agree with all of those sentiments. And I just want to add my vote to main deck fade in antiquity being good, especially the first copy. And I think you are fine to run too. Yeah. Uh, and just uh, to reiterate, my favorite thing about this format so far is finding all the unique use cases for certain quote unquote, underwhelming looking cards. I think as the format progresses, and one of the things that's going to make this feel like a format that has longevity, especially for folks like you and I who draft so much and, you know, for content creators, especially those diamond in the rough things or, or coming with those like sort of, you know, niche strategies, I think is going to be what gives this format life two months deep or whatever. So I think as for folks out there who are going to be drafting a lot, I think it's a lot less about finding out if cards are quote good or bad, but just finding where each card's best home is. Because I think looking through the visual spoiler as I was doing to just like make sure all the cards I wanted to talk about for this episode were here, I feel like almost every common or uncommon has a good home, you know? I don't know about good home, but has a home, a place where it's playable, I really think you're trying to push the better cards more often. I mean, the sentiment you you savagely dunked on me on Twitter with a, a tweet I made about you dunked on yourself, sir. <laughs> no, I think you misrepresented my sentiment. But I had tweeted that I think the replayable cards or replacement level cards are the new version of unplayables, like cards that are not above like a point where they're going to help you win the game. You just want as few of those cards in your deck as possible. Like a card that is a C just is completely interchangeable with every other card and not necessarily completely interchangeable, but you need to try to make sure that your C's are in the right home, I think, rather than just being satisfied with getting an underwhelming looking card in the right deck. Unless it's doing something to actively help you win, I think you're just trying to get as few of those cards in your deck as possible. I agree. I, th I do think, I mean, I have uh, uh, thoughts about this, but I think they're probably best to have 
prior to our next crash course or prior to when we raid cards. Because I think you and I are often saying different things with this. Or I think you and I are often saying the same things with different letter grades. And I think that gets us into like then perhaps arguing a point a little stronger than we might when we're probably saying the same things. Um, but I think it's just like a difference in like philosophy about applying letter grades. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a look at Ben's favorite thing, the 17 lands data dump in terms of archetype rankings updated just an hour ago this morning. So what do we got going on at the top of the heap in this format? Black green, baby, from worst to first, 60.6%. And I do think this is not a data fluke. I do think black green has felt great when I've played it, and it's felt very good when I've played against it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really good deck in terms of its intersectionality. And this is a deck that I think sort of exemplifies what I've been talking about of like black green isn't doing one thing, right? Black green, I think the strength for black green comes from all these little things. Okay, I've got an artifact plus enchantment sub theme. I've also got some ninjutsu stuff because I want to rebuy my signpost on common or I've got geothermal kami to pick it up. Like you just get heaps and heaps of value in this deck, but that comes from finding all those little overlapping synergies. Yes, I completely agree. And that's what I was talking about or trying to verbalize, and I don't know if I did a good job, so I'm going to try one more time here. On the spec- <laughs> on the spectrum thing, with red being on the artifacts end and green being on the enchantments thing, I think the more you get on the green side of things, the more ability you have to do all that stuff you're talking about and to pull from all these different synergies and make lots of pockets of synergy, also probably with still a broad overarching theme of a lot of my cards care about enchantments. Yeah, for sure. Coming in close-ish on Black Green's heels is White Green in the number two slot, and then Blue Green in the number three slot. So White Green at 58.9% and Blue Green at 58.4%. So those three decks pretty clearly at the top right now. Yep. And then in fourth, we've got Blue Black at 57.9%. In fifth, Red Black at 57.4%. And in sixth, Black White at 57.4%. So three very clear kind of next step down as far as win rate goes and then a pretty big drop off down to blue red at 55.8 percent so almost a two percentage point dip from black white and sixth to blue red and then red green 55.6 blue white 55.3 and then all the way at the bottom red white at 53.9 percent win rate yeah i mean so the data doesn't look great for red here but i just want to take a second in defense of red against the data railing yeah. railing against the data here Do it. it sticking it to the man i think red doesn't care about color pairs like i don't think red green like modified is a thing to me red is its own little corner of the format like mm-hmm. doing artifact things and it doesn't care what the other colors are doing quite as much and maybe that's a knock against red intrinsically that it doesn't play well with others, but it plays so well with itself, if that makes sense. I, I think that's a really good point and, and makes a lot of sense to me. I think there's a lot of things happening with red early in the format, at least, and why perhaps the data does not show red being as strong as you and I think. Like, spoiler, I think red is the best color in the format. It's the color I'm happiest to play. Um, I just think it has so many strong things. It has one of, if not the best, common in experimental synthesizer, which is effectively Drifter. We'll talk about that later. Um, But I think, so Red Black is the clearest, like, this is what Red Black wants to do, wants to be artifacts, wants to, like, you know, Oni Cult Anvil lets you know what you want to do. First of all, I've seen Oni Cult Anvil on day one was just, like, whipping around the table, like, no one (laughs) was taking that card. Like, it was crazy. I was just seeing that, like, trying to draft something else and then seeing that card, like, 11th pick and being like, okay, that's fine, I'll do this. 
But that, even if you get that deck, that deck is hard to pilot well. There are so many decisions. That's something we haven't talked about yet, but like the gameplay in this format is deep. There is, because <laughs> there is a lot of text on these cards and like anticipating, okay, this saga is going to flip, yada, yada, yada. Like figuring all that stuff out is hard to do. And Red Black is like the highest of these decks, but it's still not performing super well. And I think that's partially because it's hard to play. And as you're talking about, yeah, Red plays on its own. And then it's like, okay, what are you going to do with blue? Are you going to, you know, do some more artifact stuff or some ninjutsu stuff with blue? Okay, you're pairing with green. So maybe you do want some more, you get the the Aki Ember Keepers or whatever, and you do a little bit have a, a, a modified package there. Or in red, white, I don't think you're going all in on the attacks alone, but maybe you have some, okay, I have some artifacts and enchantments, and then maybe I have some of the white stuff that cares about both or whatever. Like, I think it's more about pockets than it is about, ah, this is the signpost thing this archetype is doing. Yeah, I can definitely see all that for sure. So color power rankings next for each of us. I honestly have no idea. I've liked all the colors. <laughs> I like red the best. They seem pretty close. My tentative order is red one, black two, green three, blue four, and white five. But like I have white in fifth, but I like white a lot. Like I like all the colors. They're all good. Yeah, I agree that everything's super close. I think my order, if I had to choose, would be green one, red two, blue three, black four, and white five. And I think my my reasoning for green and red being at the top is that I think those dictate where you want to go towards artifact or enchantments, mm -hmm. and then you can fill in the rest with the other colors. Whereas something like white, and again, this is something we talked about before the episode, but you showed me a white green deck that was exemplifying, hey, green white doesn't just have to be enchantments, but it was base white. And I was mm -hmm. trying to sell you on the fact that because it was base white was the reason it wasn't, you know, hyper focused on enchantments that if you had been more base green you would have had more opportunity to lean into the enchantments thing so i think white lacks a bit of direction or maybe you have to feel your own synergies out rather than getting a map handed to you with white i think that's why it's last for me but i really like all the colors like you said I, I like your your spectrum idea more and more here thinking about this looking at your color rankings as well thinking about okay when i have a base green deck or a base red deck those are going to live on those polar ends of that spectrum of artifacts or enchantments. When I have a base blue, black, or white deck, then that may lead me to be a little bit more flow, a little bit more pockets of synergy than all in synergy. Right, yeah. I think your color that you are heaviest in dictates where you want to go and how you want to try to draft. Yeah, I, I really love that sentiment. That's awesome. All right, let's take a quick ad break here, and then we'll be back to talk about some specific cards from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on the show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. And we've been taught that mental health shouldn't be a part of normal life, but that's wrong too. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor, and nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much. We at Lords of Limited believe that therapy is a part of a healthy, normal lifestyle, and BetterHelp provides that service in an accessible way. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Lords of Limited listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Lords. 
That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Lords. And now back to the show. All right, we're back. First card up here to check in on is Kami of Terrible Secrets. What's going on there? Okay, so this is three and a black for a three, four spirit. When it enters the battlefield, if you control an artifact and an enchantment, you draw a card and you gain one life. You know, this card is looks clunky. It costs four mana. It requires like setup to, you know, sort of pop off. I think I thought this was just going to be whatever. I have had this as like basically the game plan for two different trophy decks, um, a black, white and a blue black deck with like three to four copies of each of these and a really great split of artifacts and enchantments. And the great thing about this card is it just goes late. Like once you recognize, oh, I'm base black, these are going around the table like you should be the literal only person (laughs) at the table who wants them. And so you can get every copy that gets open. You can get them late and then you can spend the rest of the draft going, okay, I'm going to, you know, let me check in on my artifact and enchantment count and make sure I get, okay, six and six, seven and seven, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's one of the other things that I like about this format. I feel like there are a lot of Kami of terrible secrets style cards where you don't have to pick them highly, but they actually are very good. If you do the thing with your deck that makes them be very good. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we've got Unforgiving One. This is two and a black for a 2-3 Spirit with Menace. Whenever it attacks, return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, or X is the number of modified creatures you control. Uh, I really had no idea how to evaluate this card. It's great. Um, it's really not hard to have modified stuff in black, specifically because of the uh, the removal spell enchantment at four mana, or if you pair it with red or green, it's very easy. And with how good the one drops are in the format, it's very, very easy to, you know, get a modified simian sling on this thing or whatever and attack in and return your your other simian sling or whatever your rabbit battery it's really not hard to get a card's worth of value plus like this is just a good attacker as a menace creature three mana two three is a fine blocker this this card is good i think ethan yeah we buried the lead here next up i know i know (laughs) next up is experimental synthesizer this is the red artifact for one mana when it etbs or (laughs) leaves the battlefield you exile the top card of your library until the end of your turn you can play that card and it also has two and a red sacrifice this make a two two white samurai creature token with vigilance activate that ability only as a sorcery uh so here's what i initially graded this card a c minus in my set review with alex then I, you know, finished recording the crash course with you. You talked me up to like Synergy C plus. And then I had a chance to play with it. I have played against it. And I just realized, oh, it's Muldrifter. It's just a 2-2 that draws you two cards at common. Now, obviously, you have to build your deck as a super low curve to be able to, because what you want to be able to do is to not only get the card when you play this, but you want to be able to get the card when you pay three mana to make a 2-2 with it. Um, So that means your curve wants to probably basically stop at three. But red decks can do that really easily. And this card is wildly powerful. Card's insane. I think had I known when I created it that you also (laughs) got the card when it left the battlefield, I might have been brave enough to give it a B minus. I don't know. But once I realized that when we were talking about our top commons in the crash course, I just you can just see in the set how much support and how much synergy there is going on with this card. And I think it also just stands alone if you build your curve right. Like doesn't even necessarily need to have artifact synergies as long as you have a low curve. I do think the two things it really asks of you are that you want to be fairly heavy red, especially if you have multiples so Mm -hmm. that you can chain them together if you hit them off of each other and that you want your curve to be low. I think those are the two things. And if you do that, you get an extraordinarily powerful card for your deck. 
Yeah, I think this is my most drafted common so far. And I also think this gets my vote for best common in the set so far. Ooh, I like it. I mean, certainly while it is possible to get them and get the cards that keep your curve low, I think that's true. If people start to contest it, it's definitely going to get less good, right? Because Mm -hmm. part of the reason it's powerful is because right now you can get red decks that stop at three CMC essentially. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Right. If if people figure out how good this card is and if people start drafting the support for a synthesizer style deck more then yeah, this card gets a little worse, I guess. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think to the average player, this card looks clunky. If this card looks clunky to me and maybe I'm just bad at evaluating cards, I think this is going to look clunky to most people. Yeah, but I would imagine enough people are going to be talking about it that people will catch on eventually, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. A huge overperformer next up is Geothermal Kami. 300 green for a 4-3 spirit. When it enters the battlefield, you may return an enchantment you control to its owner's hand. If you do, you gain three life. Picking up sagas and gaining life is great. Picking up the, was it Gloom Shrieker? The three mana 2-1 oh, uh, menace in black green that is the Eternal Witness variant. That's great. Like Kami is, is big game, I think. Kami's really good. I've been very impressed with that card, with all of the things you described with it. Huge bump up. Yeah. Next up, we've got Season of Renewal. It's two and a green instant. Choose one or both. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand and return target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. I think this is like one of the best things green gets to do at common. Um, It plays really well with channel. I've been very impressed with that. It's very easy for this to get back two things like in the mid part of the game. Um, Yeah, I've liked one to two copies in green decks. I have not had any experience playing with it yet. It's been pretty backbreaking from opponents a couple times in the middle eight game against me. All right. I got to hear your thoughts on this. This has to be <laughs> besides synthesizer. This next card has to be like one of the, the most contentious cards in the format. Imperial Oath. Five and a white sorcery. Create three two two white samurai creature tokens with vigilance. Scry three. We've got eggs birthing ninjas we've got oaths <laughs> pooping out samurai everywhere the the samurai and the ninjas are taken over i think this is good i don't know i don't have much experience with it but there is a lot of talk in the lords of limited discord there are some very good players in the lords of limited discord that are very passionate about imperial oaths which is enough to just that on its own is enough to make me give a lot of consideration to this card It's been good against me when my opponents have cast it. I have not cast it yet. I've had some decks that really wanted a copy or two, and I was not able to pick them up. It's the number one white common on 17 lands. I mean, right now, I'm going to try the card out and put stock in. This is a pretty good card. And I can picture a lot of white decks in my head that would really like this at the top of the curve. And I think one of the other points in this card's favor that's been brought up in the Discord is that it's very easy to splash. So it's essentially kind of colorless in that sense, like in Mm -hmm. green decks or whatever. So it's got a lot of things going for it. Yeah, I mean, especially with the five mana Samurai, the five mana 4-4 Vigilance that you can plane cycle for effectively, channel two to find a planes and gain two life. Um, That is a colorless way to splash white and then enable this, etc. Yeah, I I was building a green white deck yesterday, really struggling to figure out like the last, you know, I, I felt like I had like eight options for the last, you know, two to three cards. And I settled on putting two odes at the top of the curve. They didn't end up being that, great i mean i my curve was pretty low and i often just like didn't get to six mana or whatever with the deck you know i was i was really curving out and beating down with it but i think want to i want to figure out what shell 
is best for this kind of card. And I'm really trying to, I can't, you know, the data isn't lying to me right now, I don't think. And players that I trust and respect aren't lying to me right now. So I think I just got to keep giving this card a chance. I think the knocks against it are, it's six mana. Six mana. And it's not an artifact or an enchantment. And it doesn't attack particularly well. That's the thing that like, you know, uh, what's it called? When people played Rise of the Ants, one, that had flashback. But two, like, and obviously we had different cards, different sets, et cetera. But those three threes were mostly just blocking, right? They weren't, it's not like those three threes had great attacks. So I, I don't know, like, how controlling are these white decks to want this kind of card? Well, Scry 3 is big game. I mean, this is a finisher. I Like, the places where I see this being really at home are in green-white, potentially, if you're not all in on enchantments and you just want, like, big finishers. I think it's probably great in blue-white. And I could see it doing things in white, black and right, white, red as well. I don't know. I, I'm very excited to try it out and I'm very excited to see where the journey goes. I can't wait to talk to you about this next card. This is my actual I, I mean, I obviously love the synthesizer, but containment construct is my my favorite pet card of the format. Two mana, two on artifact at uncommon. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. There are a good number of ways to loot or rummage in the set that makes this into an insane engine. The easiest way to enable it, I think, is a a card that a lot of people, I think, don't really want or aren't interested in for good reason. Network Terminal. Three mana artifact taps for one mana of any color, but you can pay one, tap it, and tap another untapped artifact you control to draw a card and then discard a card. Assembling this engine is not hard, and it's wildly powerful. Yeah, speaking of Network Terminal, I think... There are a lot of not crazy aggressive artifact decks that are really happy with a copy of Network Terminal, especially if you're splashing. One of the things I've found in the format, and I don't know if you've experienced this as well, but that Flood is very much a thing again now that Blood Tokens are gone, and it feels terrible. And Network Terminal is a very good way, if you're interested in splashing and if you're interested in some artifacts, to make sure that you don't get to Flood. Yeah, I agree. Also, speaking of Containment Construct, another great card if you want to get some looting going on is the Modern Age. This is the one in a blue saga. Uh, first two chapters you draw, then discard. And then chapter three, you exile it, return to the battlefield, transformed as a 2-3 flyer. Yeah, I've loved the Modern Age. I, I thought, again, like, uh, so maybe this is going to feel a little too slow. It feels great to get to smooth your draws early like this. Like, it has a sort of Blood-esque way about it in terms of play it on two it smooths out your opening hand beautifully and then you have a two three flyer it's just great right maybe you take some damage in the early turns but then once this flips you are likely stable the two three blocks so well and it attacks well it's just a very relevant card and you're happy to pick it up with ninjutsu like you're happy to then sometimes be like oh i'm stable enough that i can do this and then i get to loot twice again to smooth out my draws to get rid of these lands or whatever it's really good Oh, while we're on the subject of cards, this is very off topic <laughs> for Lords of Limited, but I've made a mental note and this just popped into my head. Okay. The Soul Sisters rare thing, um, the white black mythic rare, I'm pretty sure it's a bomb. And I know we don't normally talk about rares or mythics. I don't but that know card, this card. What is this card? It's the three white black enchantment that lets you at the beginning of your oh. end step, you sacrifice a creature or an enchantment or whatever and can return a card that shares a type with it back to your battlefield mm-hmm. it's it's recurring nightmare it's well, but really it, good it's not recurring nightmare because the thing comes back and then when when it would leave it gets exiled instead right you can't just like infinitely swap stuff correct but if you have things on the battlefield that got you an etb then yeah. you sacrifice that thing and then you can get it back again to get the etb and then sacrifice it to get something else back that had an etb the card 
has been very impressive against me twice. Like border <laughs> borderline busted. I, I knew that you were gonna. I knew that you were not gonna say. I. It's been busted for me. I knew that this was the, <laughs> the story of a man who had played against this card and been crushed by it. But um, I just. Okay. I think it's really good. I think it's a bomb. Great, great. I, that that's exciting. I can't wait to to open it and get to build around it. Yeah, I think it's a build around bomb. All right, talk to me about this next card, Mukatai Ambusher. This is three and a black for a three two with lifelink. It's an artifact rat ninja with ninjutsu. I think this is just really good. It's an intersection of a lot of things. You want it if you care about artifact synergies. It's good if you're not totally on the enchantment end of things. It's got applications in the ninjutsu deck. The lifelink's relevant. I think it just does a lot of small things really well. And I think it's much better than the Dakuchi Shadow Walker, which is the four black, black, five, five with ninjutsu three and a black. And the jury was out for me on both of those cards. Interesting. I have been underwhelmed by the ambusher, but I think that I, I want to like maybe temper that, especially uh, listening to you talk about it. But I definitely agree that Dakuchi Shadow Walker is not a card that has impressed me so far. Next up, I love this little guy. Yeah. This is Virus Beetle, one in a black, one, one artifact creature insect. Whenever ETBs, each opponent discards a card. This is in the top black commons for sure, I think. And it's been very impressive if you have artifact synergies and just good if you don't, I think. Like, yeah, it does it does so many things well, right? You, you're getting a card of value, but then it sticks around. It is a card with a good type. It's a card you don't mind sacrificing. It's a card that wears reconfigure stuff well. It's just like check, 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 check. It's so good. Yeah, all at two mana. I think it's very, very, very strong. Scrapyard Steelbreaker is next on our list. Three and a red for a three, four artifact creature, human warrior, and you can pay one, sack another artifact to give it plus two, plus one until end of turn. This is another card in the line of cards where red decks care about having more red cards and more artifacts. You don't need to pick Steelbreaker highly yet, and I could see you at some point wanting to pick it highly if people figure out how good it is in these hyper red artifact decks, but it's a very potent threat. It, the activation only being one mana means this is essentially a three, four, a tog like in the red artifacts <laughs> decks and i think yeah it's the threat of activation is super real on this card and the three four body is also just very solid for four mana yeah my only knock against this card is i want my red decks to be able to play as many eggs as possible and then that means as a result you gotta be really choosy about your four mana plays and so sometimes this doesn't make the cut for me yes i would agree but if you don't have better for cmc cards this is at common a reliable threat all right bamboo grove archer this is one on a green for a three three enchantment creature snake archer with defender and reach and it also has channel four on a green discard it destroy target creature with flying what, what are your thoughts on this card this still seems bad to me i can't tell i can't tell if it's <laughs> great or terrible i literally don't know my gut says it's bad but there have been so many games where it's been a gigantic problem for me that I've had to actually like spend real cards to get rid of it to be able to attack. I think you're actively looking to run it in the green enchantment decks that want to get to the late game and want to go over the top. I think it's fine to playable there. Maybe, maybe good. I don't know. But so here's my struggle with green. And I guess like going over the top doesn't mean like casting a seven mana card because those are don't really exist. The green decks that are going over the top are just like 
outvaluing two for one grindy, right? With like season of renewal or your gloom shrieker or your geothermal commies picking up stuff. Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. I could see that for sure. being a good speed bump. I mean, it definitely like stops the ninjutsu stuff in its tracks, which is probably the biggest like kryptonite for a deck like this. Yeah. I think it shores up weaknesses that those decks could have against the aggro decks. That's fair. Yeah. Searchlight Companion is next. This is three mana for a 1-1 artifact creature drone with flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you make a 1-1 colorless spirit creature token. I I don't think this card is, like, good, quote-unquote, but it does, it it gives me that vibe of what I was talking about earlier in the episode of, like, it's less about classifying a card as good or bad, but, like, figuring out where you want it, and the more boxes it checks, right, the more you're like, okay, I care about artifacts, I have some ninjutsu stuff, so rebuying this isn't that bad, I care about having two bodies, because I have reconfigure or whatever, and so it's easy to, like, make these more relevant later in the game, like, the more boxes this card checks, the more interested in it you are. Right, and I think it checks a lot of boxes for a lot of decks, and I think, specifically the ninjutsu thing, this wasn't really on my radar as a good thing to pick up with ninjutsu, because I thought it was too slow. But the, I think there are a lot of value ninjutsu decks as well. And I think this is great in those style of decks. Agreed. Next up, Long Reach of Night. This is three and a black. <laughs> Very contentious card. Uh, first two chapters, each opponent sacks a creature unless they discard a card. Chapter three, you exile it, return to the battlefield, transformed under your control. Performing well on the data right now, but also bugged in its favor for it to be better. Is this yes. playable? Is this good? So... Have you heard the comparison to the Eldest Reborn? No. It's it's closer than I might like to admit, right? So Eldest Reborn was from Dominaria, which is five mana for a Black Saga. First chapter was each opponent sacks a creature. Second chapter, each opponent discards a card. Third chapter, you got to reanimate a thing from a graveyard and put it into play. And so this sort of does that. Like, first chapter, they're likely to be sacking a thing rather than discarding second chapter they're likely to pitch a land because they see it coming and then third chapter you get a creature how good that creature is i don't know but like it's kind of close like this is one of the uh, sagas that i like the least but i still think this is better than i gave it credit for in the crash course that was my initial evaluation of it until you crushed my dreams. I know, I know. Look, <laughs> some, I'm I'm often right, but I don't know if I was about this card. I think this was. I think this sort of snuck in for me. The sagas were really hard to evaluate. I just felt like eh, all of this, like the, the the sort of Punisher stuff. Did you compare it to the? Um... I compared it to Torment of Scarabs. Yeah, yeah, you did that on stream. I, was, I saw you do that. Um, which also isn't that crazy. I don't know. I think you do get a lot of you get a lot of cardboard from your opponent's side of the board for your one piece of cardboard here you know and for four mana i too i think yeah i don't know and it's got types it's got types it's, it's got types it's got menace so you can pick it up with ninjutsu i don't know it's like it's not the worst not the worst i think it's good i think this card is good all right sweet yeah last card to talk about here is commune with spirits this is green for a sorcery look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal an enchantment or land card from among them and put it in your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order i do not have much experience with this card yet but there's a lot of scuttle in the lords of limited discord about this potentially being a top green common and i know sam black's super high on the card as great green common i don't know if top or not but i think this does make sense to me that this is good in green decks because green cares about enchantments and then you can just play two of these in place of a land like you get to run 16 lands and two communes and that's very strong and it's going to make your green decks a lot smoother and there are a lot 
of good sagas to find with communion mm-hmm. spirits like a lot of green's best cards are sagas or enchantments so the fact yep. that this you get to put two to three communes in your deck that help you find your best cards and that those are the very impactful cards makes a lot of sense to me so communes on my radar now and i i don't know if it's in the top green commons but we're going to get into that a little later in just a minute here but i could certainly see it it makes sense to me yeah, I have played it once in a very heavy like green white sagas deck. I think, you know, again, I love the Ben Werney spectrum idea for the format. And I think the more you are on that green enchantments end of the spectrum, the more you're thrilled with copies of this card. All right, a few more uncommons we want to get into here. First up is Life of Toshiro Umazawa. What's going on there? So this is one and a black for a saga. First two chapters are like Jite. Uh, you get to choose one. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, or you gain two life. It flips into a two, three that can tap for a colorless mana, but only to cast instants or sorceries. Um, at its floor, again, thinking about just getting the ETBs attached to this creature. At its floor, this is a two mana, two, three that gains you four life, which is very, very good. When this picks off an X1, and there are a lot of X1s in the format... This feels broken. Like your opponent goes one drop and you're on the play and you go, okay, land number two, played Life of Toshiro Umazawa. You kill their thing. That's backbreaking. And then what you don't get to see is either the times when that's happened. So you've played it, you've gotten your creature value, and then your opponent can't play their two drop because it's an right. X1. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't even get to like realize that value in the sense, but I've had that happen to me multiple times where my opponent, like maybe they just run it out on turn two. They gain two life. And then I go, oh, I can't make a play now on turn two because I don't want it to die. And so it really has like sneaky good play patterns that you don't even really get to see what it's doing like the ceiling of what it's doing because sometimes it's just preventing your opponent from playing a creature which is awesome this card is very very good yes one of the best uncommons in the set yeah and speaking of the best uncommons in the set mishko's reign of truth definitely in that conversation as well this is one in a white for saga with um first two chapters target creature you control gets plus x plus x where x is the number of artifacts and enchantments you control and then it flips into a creature that has power and toughness equal to the number of artifacts and enchantments you control the card is super easy to turn on almost all of the good cards in the format are artifacts and enchantments and the fact that this cares about both means it's just very very powerful it's often a two mana four four or five five if you're building your deck right with a higher ceiling than that and just does eight to nine damage to your opponent as well yeah and killing large stuff especially at instant speed is really hard right like your opponent uses the plus one like gives a plus one plus one and you're like what am i supposed to do about this like hope i have commies flare up in response or whatever but then you're not really dealing with the problem right you're dealing with the your stupid virus beetle is now attacking as a five five or whatever for a turn you're like am i supposed to kill that like yeah michigo's reign of truth is awesome Another card that is super, super good is Blossom Prancer. It's three green green for a four four with reach. And when it ETBs, you get to look at the top four cards of your library, put a creature or enchantment from among them into your hand. And then if you don't want to do that, you gain four life. It's just Thrag Tusk levels of good. Not quite that good, but it is it's close. <laughs> very good at stabilizing you. And if you don't need to stabilize, just slams the door shut via card advantage. This mm-hmm. card is bonkers good. Yeah, Blossom Prancer is awesome. And and I think like when I first when I was thinking that green wasn't going to be that good in the format because I just didn't quite get it. I was like, oh, well, Blossom Prancer is a great uncommon, but like who cares? But I care. You, everybody should care. It's a great card supported by a great color. 
Right. And I think another, speaking of green being good, so many of these sagas are good. Boseju reaches Skyward. Oh my That was God. a card we didn't really know how good it was or how to evaluate, right? Like you came up on it a little bit, but we were mm-hmm. both too low. The card's just insane. It's a B, B plus, like a four mana 6-6 six, six that draws you two forests. It has reach. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, also has reach, like every other green card in the set. But yeah, um, it's it's so good. The sagas are really good. It's very impressive to me that they designed these cards in a way where they were kind of hard to like see how they would play out, and they've played out so well. Yes, I completely agree. And and the, speaking of the green decks, just having reach on everything. Once the green decks get to a certain point in the game. Like it, they just are going to win on card quality alone, I think, compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the other decks. That's why I really like green as a color. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into looking at our top commons re-ranked here. So we've got, I think you and I are mostly in agreement here, and we'll also compare this to what the 17 lanes data is saying right now, just to see if there's anything we're totally off base by. What, what do we got going on in white? In white, in the number one slot, we've got Spirited Companion, that's one and a white for the one one, Enchantment Creature, and when it ETBs, you draw a card, Best Doggo. Yeah, we've got Intercessor's Arrest at number two, two and a white for the aura, Enchant Permanent, Enchanted permanent can't attack, block, or crew vehicles. Its activated abilities can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. And in the number three slot, we've got Moth Rider Patrol. That's one mana for the 1-1 one, one Flying Warrior. And it has three and a white tap, tap, target creature and opponent controls. Yeah, I, I've really liked Moth Rider Patrol. That's not in the 17 lands top white commons here um the overlap we have uh spirited companion number two according to the data intercessors arrest number three in the number one slot imperial oath the six mana make three two two samurais scry three i think it's totally possible that imperial oath replaces probably either arrest or moth rider patrol i could definitely see it over moth rider patrol right now and it wouldn't shock me if it was ahead of arrest feels Mm -hmm. tough for a six drop to replace how synergistic and how draw smoothing spirited companion is that's what I think, too. It's hard for me to imagine taking a six drop like this. But again, like I'm I'm keeping my mind open to this card. I want to see how it plays out. All right, moving on to blue in the number one slot. We've got Network Disruptor Blue for the one one artifact flyer. And when it ETBs, you tap target creature. Number two, we have Moon Snare Specialist, three and a blue, two, two. When it ETBs, return up to one target creature to its owner's hand. And it has Ninjutsu for two and a blue. And in the number three slot, we've got the Modern Age, one in a blue, first two chapters, draw a card, discard a card, and then chapter three, it flips into the two, three flyer. Yeah, we're pretty close in terms of what the blue top commons are. Network Disruptor at number one, and the best performing common overall in the set. Modern Age is at number three. In the number two slot, they have a different ninjutsu creature, the Moon Circuit Hacker, one in a blue, two, one. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. If you do discard a card, unless Moon Circuit Hacker entered the battlefield this turn, and it has a ninjutsu cost of just a single blue. I mean, that is good in the sense that it lets you pick things up for very cheap. I think that's actually its best role. Rather than like ninjutsuing in and you care about the 2-1, it's more about, okay, this thing with a good ETB happened to get through and now I get to pick it up for a single blue and draw a card. That's where I've been most impressed by the Circuit Hacker. Well, and one of the things that it does really well because it's in Jitsu cost is just a blue is it does let you do the chaining of ninjutsu cards. So you can like, you know, you have an unblocked creature, you can bring in this Moonsnare specialist, bounce something, and then still before combat, swap that out for your Moon Circuit hacker, right? It ends that ninjutsu train or you, you flash in your black three one that gives something death touch and lifelink. Flash that in, get the effect, pick that thing up 
get your moon circuit hacker and play draw card yeah pretty powerful all right in black in the number one slot we have okiba reckoner raid this is single black for the saga first two chapters target player loses a life and you gain a life and then it flips into a 2-2 menace that gives your vehicles menace as well i have been slightly underwhelmed by this card enough that i was going to consider putting it out of the number one slot and i think you talked me back around i think it is not insane as a ninjutsu enabler which was where i had it in my brain But I think just as a one drop that gets you ahead on board, it's very, very, very good, right? It's two, two menace for one mana and also swings the life race in your favor. And we've just seen cards like that time and time again that have the drain to gain to effect. Just put the game enough in your favor that it makes your opponent's life very difficult. And not that it's a great ninjutsu enabler, but it's also not crazy to be able to think of picking it up with a black or blue ninja some at some point because it has menace it's not crazy to think about picking it up with geothermal kami and when you get the fact that there's inherent ways to rebuy this effect to just get that drain to again it's really strong it does like put a lot of games out of reach in the number two slot we've got twisted embrace two black black for the aura and chain a creature gets plus one plus one and whenever the aura enters the battlefield you can destroy target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls speaking of killing creatures or planeswalkers there are a lot of removal spells that deal with planeswalker at common <laughs> yeah I've, I've definitely not like i've faced the blue black planeswalker and like killed a creature with twisted embrace instead and chat was like what are you doing you could just like blow up a planeswalker i'm like oh it, thank god it all says planeswalker but I, it's hard for me to my, my boomer magic brain doesn't internalize that yet right uh in the number three slot we have virus beetle one on a black artifact when it etbs one on a black artifact one one when it etbs target player discards a card yeah for sure and i think for me i could see the order of those three cards switching up quite a bit and lethal exploits not in there that has been less good for me than twisted yeah. embrace but i think you still like lethal exploit quite a bit I do, yeah. I, I think, again, it's not hard for this card to get to minus three, minus three. This is the one in the black instant. Creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn and gets an additional minus one, minus one for each modified creature you control. And minus three, minus three kills most things in the format because things are small. I don't know, but I, I agree. I like these three. I'm happy with Virus Beetle there. And that reflects what the data says as well. Keep a Reckoner Raid at number one, Virus Beetle at number two, and Twist and Embrace at number three. Sweet. Moving on to red. We are a lockstep here. Experimental synthesizer one egg ninjas. Let's go. Yeah. Number two, we've got Kami's flare one on a red instant deal three damage to target creature planeswalker and flare deals two damage to that permanence controller if you control a modified creature. And number three, Simeon sling. That's the red for the one one. And it's got reconfigure two to give enchanted creature plus one plus one. And then both the equipment and the creature have the text whenever this becomes blocked. Um, It deals a damage target opponent. Yeah, the data has Synthesizer number one, Kami's Flare number two, and Voltage Surge number three, single red instant, uh, deals two damage to target creature, Planeswalker. If you sack an artifact as you cast this, it'll deal four instead. I found that card to be fine. I think you can't prioritize both Voltage Surge and Kami's Flare in red decks, or you're just in danger of ending up with not enough artifacts because there's some real tension between the number of non-artifacts you're running in red decks i think i agree well one of the things we haven't really talked about yet is that like i don't know how good or important removal is or certainly removal that kills small stuff because all of the small stuff is kind of keyword bad like it's already done the thing and so like you know your opponent plays their spirited companion and you're like oh god so they already got a cards with value now it's an enchantment hanging around i'm never going to use removal on that thing but it wears you know reconfigure equipment super well or wears plus plus one counters super well because i don't want to kill it like 
I don't know. I've not found removal to be that important because everything seems to be like small and value-y. Yeah, I think I agree with that sentiment in general. I mean, you want two to four ways to interact in your deck, but you don't need to be insanely picking it highly. And decks with six to seven removal spells are just not going to be good because the removal is not synergistic, right? And I think Mm -hmm. the power in the format is where synergy is. But there is some power in breaking up your opponent's synergy as well. Mm-hmm. I think Twisted Embrace is an exception to that rule in terms of it giving you a modified creature as well and being catch-all. Um, but well, I agree, it's, it's, it's not synergistic. Well, and being able to be picked up by things like the green oh, forest. Geothermal right? Kami, yeah, for yeah, sure. Geothermal Kami is nutter butters in this style <laughs> of decks. And you were very right about Twisted Embrace. It's a very good card. Yeah. Well, what's going on with our green commons to finish out the episode? I think green is very good. The order of the green commons, though, still somehow manages to elude me, despite (laughs) green feeling insane. But I think some of that is because green just has some busted, busted, busted uncommons. And the commons, I think, are much more obvious what order you want to pick them in once you're caring about your curve, right? Things start to shake up drastically once you have either cards at the bottom end of your curve or cards at the top of your curve. So in the mm-hmm. number one slot, Jukai Preserver, three and a green for the three, three. And when ETBs, you get a plus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. And it also has channel for two and a green to put two plus one, plus one counters on each of up to two target creatures, or rather put a plus one, plus one counter on either. Good Lord. Could you imagine if it was two counters on two creatures? Oh my God. That would be yeah. insane. That would uh, be but insane. anyway, yeah, that's our number one common. Uh, a little uh, important safety tip or play pattern with Jukai Preserver, because I've noticed myself misplaying with it, is just think about when you have four mana, if you want to just cast it pre-combat. Because I've done so many times, I've like gone to combat, been like, well, if blah happens, then maybe I'll want to channel this out. But a lot of the time, I like do that because I'm like, oh, it gives me options. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had just cast this and put a counter on something pre-combat to get that extra point of damage in rather than like use this as a flexible trick i think it can you can you can misplay with this card i think right to use it to remove your opponent's blocking options rather than to keep your own options open exactly yeah uh in the number two slot we have geothermal kami the three and a green four three when it etbs you can pick up an enchantment if you do you gain three life there's a little bit of tension with having two four drops in the top green commons but geothermal kami has been so impressive I agree. I agree. I, I can't imagine that these both stick around because of that, like, just economy of your curve, but perhaps they do. In the number three slot, we've got Fade into Antiquity, two and a green for the sorcery, exile target artifact or enchantment. Yeah, I think this card is great. But And you'll notice we don't have Master's Rebuke in the top three, and the data doesn't either. So the data has Jukai Preserver at number two, Geothermal Kami at number three. In the number one slot, a card we haven't mentioned yet, Fang of Shigeki. Single green for a 1-1 enchantment creature with death touch. It's hard for me to imagine that sticking around in the number one slot, but certainly if you care about enchantments and you want the game to go longer, Fang is quite good. Yeah, it's tied at 60.1% game in hand win rate, which is what we're going off of for all of these rankings um, with Jukai Preserver. So I imagine as, as games progress, Preserver will edge that out. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've liked it as a little one drop. It's good. Makes the Master's Rebuke better, the, the bite spell, but I've not been that impressed by Master's Rebuke so far. And I could see Commune getting in there. I yeah. still, myself, like Careful Cultivation. That's the uh, channel card where you can channel it for one and a green to make a 1-1 one, one mana dork. I think green's got a lot of things going for it. And after we play with it more, hopefully we'll have better reports for you. Well, sweet. This uh, this is always a very fun episode to get to do. And I'm excited to mine this format for all it has to offer us in the coming weeks.
yeah format looks like it is going to be gas whether it's i I don't even care about the goat all-timer stuff the format just looks fun to me i have had a blast drafting and Mm -hmm. a blast playing the game so far i agree I agree. It's it seems like it's I don't know early days for sure, but it definitely seems like it'll who knows about goat. But it, I do know that I think I'll, I'll be enjoying this format until its final days. Yes, completely agree. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See See you later. LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.